0: It's not a me thing. It's not a personal thing in the sense that this is this happens to a lot of people, to everyone actually goes through difficult times. Everyone has these difficult experiences and it's just not you. It's not only you goes through this and um, that has helped a lot. I can't speak for other people, but I know in my life it has helped me to almost get out of like this, this like negative thought cycle rumination thing where I would also isolate and think, but there's something wrong with me. And it would almost push me to go and connect with other people to ask, but are you also experiencing this? And they would tell me, well, yes. It's like, Oh, okay, great. It's Mm -hmm. not only me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of times we have these intense experiences uh, of whatever might happen in our life. And then, you know, we think we're alone and that makes us suffer a lot more than we have to, because I also think there's a difference between pain and suffering, you know, Um, pain is part of life, suffering doesn't have to be, it is, but I mean, um, I think suffering comes in when we try to avoid, when we try to take pain away, when we try to live a life without pain, then we suffer, because then you're like kind of arguing against reality, and you're just going to lose every time.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Inside Your Head. I'm your host, Kristal Roots, clinical psychologist and founder of Psych Central South Africa. Self-compassion is about so much more than just practicing self-care and doing nice things for yourself. It's not about feeling sorry for yourself and it's definitely not about pitying yourself. Self-compassion takes courage and it takes bravery. It links to how we regulate our emotions, how we set boundaries, and how we even navigate our relationships. Today, I'm going to chat to Marinette Westaizen, who's a counseling psychologist about this topic. Self-compassion is more than just a topic for Marinette. She has invested a lot of her time in understanding and studying it. She's a recovering self-basher, and she has done her master's thesis on this topic. So this has really become a big part of her way of thinking on both a personal and a professional level. I hope that you enjoy this episode and please feel free to send us your feedback and thoughts um, as you're listening to this. If you want to know more about Marine and the services that she offers, you can visit psychcentral.co.za. You can also follow us on your preferred social media platform, where our handle is psychcentral South Africa on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. In any case, Marine, thanks so much for, for coming today and for joining me. I feel really excited about this topic. Um, I think that it's something that probably every person that listens to this podcast will be able to relate to, will be able to learn something from. And so I'm hoping that it's going to be just a very valuable, um, thought provoking, maybe, maybe like a bit self-reflecting mm. um, discussion for everyone to, to take home, to think about and to just digest. So, Self compassion is. I think that there's a lot of things about self compassion. There's so many articles and like pages and TikToks and just like we we're, we're just almost overwhelmed with all of the information that's out there. So I want to start off with: if you think about self
0: compassion, what comes to mind for you? Hmm, that's quite interesting because um, you know I did my research on it, so I have a very academic. You know, definition, understanding already. (laughs) But if I think about it just in plain, simple terms, I think it's to have the courage to show up and meet yourself where you're at. You know, to – I think it's very – I think it takes a lot of courage to do it. I think it's like opening up the space for yourself to come in with all of everything that's happening internally and just – be willing to be there with whatever is happening with your thoughts, with your emotions in the moment. Um, and just, you know, fill that space. I know it sounds a lot fluffy, but, um, yeah, it's like, um, one of the things that I have read uh, that I do resonate with, it's like a a loving connected presence Mm. and it's a way that we relate to ourselves, you know, it's, um, it speaks to uh, the relationship that we have with our internal world, with our thoughts and our emotions and to a large extent to our behavior as well. So, um, yes, that's just my rough idea mm-hmm. if you ask me now what it is for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I think like uh, defining it can be very difficult. And, and so I know that it's a very vague question to just be like, what comes to mind for you? If you think about it, even academically, as you said, like you did your research on it. It's a it's a topic that you've probably really spent a lot of time with. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's maybe even chat about your research. Like, what did you realize once you've started
0: spending so much time on this topic? So the first thing I realized was that I was um, horrible at it. you know, once I started to realize what it's all about, I was like, whoa, it stopped to make me think, like, I'm not experiencing this in my life at all. And I think it's because we we get caught up in the just the self-kindness part, you know, we think self-compassion is only about being kind to yourself, you know, kind of just allowing yourself saying it's okay when you feel a certain way or when you um, feel like maybe maybe something went wrong that w- you were really hoped would go right, or you feel feel like something did fail. Um, to be like, you know, it's okay, it doesn't mean that you are a failure if you failed. But it's so much more than that, you know, it's also this realization that, um, you know, it's just not me that's having this pain and suffering, it's part of the human experience. So everyone goes through difficult times every now and then. Everyone has these experiences. Um, It's not just a me thing because we easily get caught up in that. We easily get like isolated in this little bubble and think, oh, this is only happening to me. And like, I'm super weird for this happening to me. What's wrong with me? And we go kind of in that whole thought spiral. And then the other thing is to um, be able to mindfully engage with our, well, inner experiences, which relates to our thoughts and our emotions. And that means... Both ways, not over-identifying with the emotion, you know, not saying, well, just because I feel like a failure, I am a failure or, um, you know, I am a certain emotional version of myself right now just because I feel like this in the moment. And it's also not to avoid it, but rather just to be able to sit in it and be like, whoa, this is really, really intense right now. I feel a lot of pressure, but I can just observe it and sit in it and it's painful without it having to be anything more than what it is just is in the moment mm-hmm. so when i realized that i realized whoa there's such a like this is so alternative to what i've you know experienced my whole life it's so easy to come to become kind of overwhelmed by whatever is happening inside especially if we're triggered especially if the emotion that we experience is um, a painful one you know or thoughts that we get stuff like we're not good enough or i should have done better or um you know something in that. along those lines so that's the first thing I've experienced in my life and I've also realized um, that it's such a fluffy thing in the set in the terms of you can't really I think as I've already experienced now you can't really define it in one sentence and be like that's what it is so I had to when I did interviews with uh, my participants I had to kind of uh, you know Uh, to ask them questions that goes around it, because if you ask someone okay but in what way are you self-compassionate they would either just go with the self-kindness thing or they would not really know what does it mean like people have a general idea but if you ask them about them in their own lives it's Mm. quite difficult to apply kind of difficult to to understand or to make sense of your behavior and your experiences in terms of that so I had to like ask them, OK, but when this happened, what were you thinking? What were you feeling to more gauge how were they responding? How were they interacting with themselves? What was their relationship like? And um, yeah, I also found like because I did it on first year students, adjusting to university. And generally, um, when you're in this new situation, this new scenario, some of them moved from home. A lot of them were first generation students. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Um, it was a lot more, they were really hard on themselves. You know, it, they were really hard on themselves for struggling to, uh, adjust, struggling to, you know, um, they just wanted to be this perfect student already. And they were had like these fears. And, um, what I also realized were like, people were a lot more, I think, resilient than we give them credit for. Cause, uh, um, when I did it again, in the second semester, um, you know, they had a lot of insights naturally, just because they were uh, more used to the environment. Because they, I think, their confidence, you know, were a bit higher, and they got almost a confirmation that okay, I do belong here. Yeah, I, I can do this. You know, I, I'm, I passed my first semester. So, you know, if they had this experience that what if I don't make it, that now they have this experience that okay, but I did. Um, which I think helped them naturally be a little bit more compassionate towards themselves. But then I also ask myself, you know, if that didn't happen, would that have been the case? Um, And I think that that's the the important part is it's easy to
1: have self or easier to be compassionate with yourself when you, like when things are going well.
0: Mm, Absolutely. But
1: obviously when things
0: don't go well, that's often where people struggle the most. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, um, you know, and I asked them, you know, what did you do when, you know, when you did, I asked them about the experience they had where, you know, things were difficult and it was either around like finances, you know, the bursaries didn't come through and they were worried, are they going to be able to study? Are they going to lose their housing? Or it was uh, about, um, you know, the academic performance, those were kind of the two main things, you know, two main concerns that would cause difficulty in their lives. And interestingly enough, a lot of them um, went to uh, seek social support, you know, from uh, larger families actually, but from friends as well, but families played a big role. But what I found in my research is that self, when they were, um, you know, being hard on themselves, Uh, you have that isolation tendency, you know, like, but what's wrong with me? And then you feel alone in it all. And there's almost this um, feeling of shame that you don't want other people to know this about you. So they were less prone to go and seek help. But those who did seek seek help when they weren't self-compassionate by seeking help, it helped them to be more compassionate because their friends would tell them, okay, but Know, you're being too hard on yourselves, or maybe just go and do something nice for yourself or don't worry, you know, next next semester is another semester you can take a turn, put things a little bit more in perspective. Um, And the other thing is those who were more self-compassionate were also more willing to go and seek out their support system. So I think it's such, you know, it's so interesting how that also relates to different other things that we sometimes do in order to make ourselves feel better, in order to cope when we go through difficult times, you yeah. know.
1: I'm curious, though, Morine, because I kind of feel like I've prepared in my mind for this topic. Obviously, I'm also thinking about it. But I think I I almost just assumed because I'm a psychologist, I I know what self-compassion is as well. And I I feel like I'm going to learn a lot, actually, about what it really entails. Because you said now that it's not just kindness with yourself. Yeah. So... I kind of had this idea: it's be nice to yourself, <laughs> and then <laughs> then everything will work will work out, and everything's <laughs> going to be fine. So, so tell me a bit more about other other elements or things that's a, a part of self compassion.
0: Okay, so um, I'm going with uh, Kristen Neff's definition or model of self compassion. Um, you have three basic elements, and the first one is self kindness, and they are kind of um, positioned against their opposites, you know. So you have self-kindness versus self-judgment, and then you have um, common humanity versus isolation, and then you have mindfulness versus over-identification. So to be self-compassionate would entail those three, self-kindness, common humanity, and and mindfulness. And I've touched a little bit on it, um, you know, a bit earlier, but the self-kindness I think is the one that we are all most well-known, but the common humanity One is to understand that suffering and pain is part of the human experience. It's not something we can avoid because it's just part of life. It sucks, you know, and if we had a magical button to press to make it go away, we all would have done it. But there doesn't exist something like that. So to understand that it's part of life. So when we go through difficult times, it's not a me thing. It's not a personal thing in the sense that This is this happens to a lot of people, to everyone actually goes through difficult times. Everyone has these difficult experiences and it's just not you. It's not only you goes through this and um, that has helped a lot. I can't speak for other people, but I know in my life it has helped me to almost get out of like this, this like negative thought cycle rumination thing where I would also isolate and think, but there's something wrong with me. And it would almost push me to go and connect with other people to ask, but are you also experiencing this? And they would tell me, well, yes. It's like, Oh, okay, great. It's Mm -hmm. not only me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of times we have these intense experiences uh, of whatever might happen in our life. And then, you know, we think we're alone and that makes us, suffer a lot more than we have to, because I also think there's a difference between pain and suffering, you know, Um pain is part of life. Suffering doesn't have to be. It is. But I mean, um, I think suffering comes in when we try to avoid, when we try to take pain away, when you try to live a life without pain, then we suffer because then you're like kind of arguing against reality and you're just going to lose every time.
1: But I, I think it's so important what you're saying, Marina, like it's so significant because we often get into the cycle of it puts so much pressure on you if you think about, so I'm going through this difficult thing and if I just did it better or if I just did things differently, then I wouldn't have to experience this. And so the focus becomes how do I avoid the pain and and how that then snowballs and creates the suffering and Absolutely. and oftentimes this very pain that we are trying to avoid then just becomes so much harder and so much more intense than it really needs to be. And mm. and it's not a guarantee like, oh, if you're just gonna accept the pain, it's gonna be easy and you're just gonna move on. Mm. But it it's sometimes so much more manageable than we anticipate. So we almost don't give ourselves the credit that we can survive this and it will be okay and
0: that it will also not last forever. Mm. And I think that's where the mindfulness part also comes in, you know, to to be able to to sit with yourself in this pain but in a very mindful manner, you know, not not following the thought cycle that is playing out and probably triggered this feeling in the first place, to just sit in it without this need to try and fix it or try to understand it. I mean, understanding it obviously helps, of course, but sometimes we can also almost use that to avoid, to just go into the thought and just kind of get stuck there. Um, because without really knowing it, there's a part of us that thinks it's going to be easier to just stay there than to be with the feeling. Whereas it's actually funny, if you just go to the feeling in a mindful manner, a lot of times it's a lot worse than you think it would be. And I mean that if you go and zoom into it, like if you almost explore it like a scientist looking at a creature they've never experienced, you know, just physically, what is this? If it's like sadness, okay, but what is sadness for me? Where does it sit in my body? How much space does it occupy? And then suddenly when we go to that, when we actually really engage with it and and make ourselves open to embrace this uncomfortable feeling, a lot of the times, it's not what we thought it was. And, you know, it's when we think of this broad construct of the emotion, sometimes it's a lot heavier. Then if we can just like go more into it and just sit with it. And then it also becomes a lot more manageable. I mean, it's a lot more manageable to think, okay, I'm sitting here with, you know, like a racing heart um, or like a pressure on my chest or a pain in my, in my chest or my stomach. And my breathing is doing this than it is to sit with, oh, I have this crippling sadness. It feels like this overarching thing that's just pressing you down. Mm. Because you're kind of not in the present moment. You're I don't know, not necessarily in your head, but you're somewhere else. And we're not it's not supposed it's not about always being there, you know, because we're human beings. We're going to you know, get caught up and you know, caught up in like these negative thought cycles and, and these start ruminating on things and our minds are going to you know, run away with us. We are going to feel overwhelmed by emotions, but it's about knowing that there is the alternative and it's always there to go back to the, it, That's the beauty of it all. you know. It will always be there. This will always be a way to respond to ourselves when we have just a little bit enough of space to become aware that, okay, wow, this has been intense and my mind and my emotions have been running around with me. But now I realized I can just maybe just come a little bit back to myself and maybe just meet me where I'm at and give myself that space, that love, that connection, that understanding to say, I have these experiences and that, that that's okay. And it's okay but it, because it's going to pass. Not, okay, it's okay, it's going to pass, like I want to get through with this. But to say, because I know it is going to pass, I can be here with it now fully, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But so it it seems like it's a lot about almost stepping back, moving away from the judgment and moving more towards observing yourself and really seeing what you've experienced. Because I think a lot of people often, like you almost become invisible to yourself. And so you don't stare Mm. back and observe. Mm. What have I been going through? What am I experiencing? Like, what's happening it's more just a I should or shouldn't feel this way and I should or shouldn't deal this way and I I need to like there's just this pressure of what you feel is expected almost Mm. I can hear a lot of my clients though if I tell them these things like how they'll they'll resist with but what 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 is it going to help for me to just feel sorry for myself Mm. and what if I am just compassionate and then, then what, what if I don't ever do better or what if things never change? And what if Mm. I just give myself an out? Because we're also in, in such a mindset, I think due to society and all of these different factors where it's almost like, but if you're hard on yourself, then you push yourself. And if you're hard on yourself and critical, then that's where growth and and Mm. movement comes from. Mm. So, So I'm wondering what your thoughts about the difference of like, I want to say feeling sorry for yourself and having self-pity versus being compassionate.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that is actually quite a common thing, but I think it's also because we have these, we live like these conditioned lives, you know, I have to do this in order to be worthy or to be good enough or to achieve this. And, I can imagine if that's like a condition for success, or, or you know, the thing that you want to do, asking someone to be more compassionate with themselves is such a threat to that. You know, it's like you risk losing something, and um, it's a common thing. It's like a lot of people go through that actually, and but I think it's actually so the opposite because I think you know it takes a lot, a lot of courage to to be self-compassionate. But I'm gonna go with like a side, like a you mm-hmm. know. You can take the the side route. Yes. So, um, I th- a lot I use this this thing called the drama triangle, right? I've used it on myself, um, and with a lot of clients as well, to kind of gauge where are you in your experience, like how. Entangled are you in everything, and how aware are you? So basically, when you can, when with whatever experience you're going through and whatever thing that's causing you know difficulty in your life, if you can identify a victim, a helper, and a, a persecutor, then you are living in a drama triangle, and you're probably not aware. You're following the judgments. You're probably very much um, overwhelmed with emotion, and. Um, The beautiful thing about that is if you can kind of place people in that or things in that positions, then already you have created awareness of, oh, wow, I'm very much now, yeah, in this little reality I've imagined up. And, you know, it it can feel really true. I mean, you do get people who really are like victims or something, you know, like um, whether it is something small, like being bullied, whether it's something really serious, like, um, you know, abuse. But in the end, as long as you're stuck there, you're going to be stuck there. So if you think about self-pity, you know, and you term it that way, then you're probably going to put yourself already in the victim role and you're probably going to, you know, just be stuck in the judgments about, um, you know, okay, this is what's happening to me. And although there's a, a lot of value to that, there really is, it's almost like one step of the process, not the end. I also think it's very, you know, very much part of the process. I think sometimes we need to be there and we are there. And it's not about not being in. It, it's about dancing with it. You know, we're going to flow in and out of it. So um, I think if you feel like you're pitying yourself, it's probably because you're very much still in that drama triangle. Whereas if you're self-compassionate, it's actually quite the opposite. It's more empowering in the sense that you're actually taking accountability for your own thoughts and your own feelings. You know, it's not about this person did this to me or said this to me. It's about showing up, feeling like, oh, okay, this is the thoughts I have about myself right now. Because inherently it's not that the person is saying something harmful to you. I'm taking a very simple
1: Yes, yes, of course.
0: Um mm-hmm. a simple example, yeah. But it's not Um, It's not that the person said something to me that's creating these feelings It's that the person said something to me and probably I had something that came up in my mind, you know, um, that's not comfortable, that's hurtful and that triggered an emotion. And it's almost to to take accountability for my thoughts and my feelings that's creating the experience. And um, I think also a lot of times when we open ourselves up to these difficult emotions, There's a bigger chance that we are going to have more grace with ourselves and probably open up more space to do the things that we want to do. So I think you're actually probably going to be more able to achieve what you want to achieve than if you are, you know, pitying yourself, because that might keep you behind a little bit, not that it shouldn't it's just part of the process. Mm. But that's, I think the big difference between the two is if you pity yourself, you're very much in the drama triangle and you're going to be stuck there for a bit. And that's okay, then that's part of the process. But if you're compassionate with yourself, it's actually stepping back out of it. And to say that, I'm not going to focus that much about what person say to me, but I'm going to focus on, you know, um, meeting myself where I'm at in this difficult situation. And saying to myself, it's okay, and I'm strong enough to take this, and I will move forward again. I I just love what you're saying, Marina, because I think that it's
1: it's really profound that you can have self-compassion, and that that can actually help you to take responsibility. So it's almost like it's a prerequisite for you to be able to take responsibility Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, because Mm -hmm. I think that often also people feel like, but they're taking responsibility when actually they're just beating themselves up. And it goes back to what you said about the suffering. So taking responsibility doesn't have to look like you beating yourself up. Taking responsibility can, can also look like, I'm being mindful, I'm being kind to myself, I'm allowing this experience. And then I'm going, okay, so what do I do with this? Yeah. And and maybe I need there's consequences or I need to do some things and that's really hard and I'm being mindful of that. But it's so it's not like giving yourself a get out of jail ticket of I need to be I need to be compassionate
0: and so I don't have to do this. I don't have mm. to deal with the consequences.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. To give okay, I, I will share something that actually I have I went through last week on just a very like process level. I did not realize this actually until last week. I think it was Thursday or Friday. I think it was Friday. Yes, I realized this on Friday. So I did not realize that I was trying to control something in my life because I was avoiding an uncomfortable experience. That was out of my awareness. And um, (laughs) (laughs) I love how you're
1: laughing at
0: yourself. (laughs) <laughs> it's so fun. Like I, when I read a camera, I'm like, "Oh my god, goodness! This is so funny that this happened." But in that time, so while that was happening, I was in a very dark place. It was scary. I had a lot of like anxious feelings, and the more I tried to control my environment to keep me from feeling this feelings, feeling this feeling of anxiety, the worse it just got. Right, until so I had. <laughs> I can't even remember how I came to the awareness, but it gen- I realized it like hit me like a penny on the forehead. Like, wow, I'm trying to control everything that's like not controllable. And it's like this big weight has been lifted. And um, then I realized something about, um, you know, there's also this thing going on about fear, self-compassion, because a lot of times people also say like that, that self-compassion is very passive, like. What do you do now? You just internally count to yourself. Okay, great. But now what? As you've also said. And then I realized it's, it's like if I can use the metaphor of a shadow, you know, like our shadows. So it's like running away and thinking there's like this big monster behind you until you realize it's actually your shadow that you've been running away from. And then I think, you know, the kind of brave self-compassion, the almost fear self-compassion action type Self-compassion is being willing to stop, turn around, see your shadow, and be like, "Okay, this scares me so much, but you know what? Fine, bring it on. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm putting myself out there, and I'm gonna go through it, and I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes." And um, I kind of, when I realized that last week, I'm like, "Wow, I've been running away from my shadow. Oh my goodness." And then it was such an empowered feeling. The anxiety didn't go away. You know, the heart was racing, the pressure was on my chest, and I'm feeling very vulnerable sharing this on here with I don't know who many people, but, um, you know, it's like putting yourself out there, feeling the feelings, knowing that it's doesn't determine your worth. It doesn't determine who you are. It doesn't determine how you would function. It's, you know, uh, uncomfortable emotion. You can face whatever is creating that and you'll still be okay, you know. And I think a lot of times people actually are stuck in situations that's not good for them because they're not willing to face it. And, um, you know, I always have people ask me if, if we start to talk about these things, you know, about how to relate better to yourself to be more happy, they always bring up kind of worst-case scenarios, something like abusive relationships. But then, what then? Should I just what if someone is shouting at me or like treating me badly or hitting me should I just go and say it's like okay it hurts now but like it'll be again then i go on you know and then i i usually ask them because i think all of us had had some relationship in our lives that weren't good for us some are really more you know intense than others but you have to ask yourself okay but why would someone be in a relationship that's not good for them why would they want to be in a relationship that makes them feel bad, you know? And a lot of the times when you actually sit with someone who has that experience, they often have thoughts such as, but what if like I'm not worthy? What if, you know, um, no one loves me? What's gonna happen if I leave? I have nowhere to go to. It's like the, the current um, relationship they're in, which is not good for them, is still safer in a sense than the unknown. And then, you know, fear, self-compassion, I think, looks like, okay, I'm saying now and I'm putting up boundaries. But I think a lot of times that's almost like the outcome. I think what happens first is, you know, it's got to take guts to stand up to that and be like, okay, well, I'm really scared. And I'm so terrified of leaving my comfort zone and going into these what ifs, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know. And I think that. For me in any way, that is what it looks like to take to be like active self-compassion. It's like being able to face your own shadow and go into, you know, the darkness of it and trusting yourself that this is going to suck, but I'm going to be okay, even if it's going to suck. there's there's so many things that I love about
1: what you said now. Like, I think, number one, thanks for being vulnerable and thanks for for sharing your your just your experience because i think it's so important for people to to really just it's it's part of that second no i can't remember even what you labeled it it's part of that second element of self-compassion is like we all go through this and it's an inevitable part of like what you're going to experience um so so thanks for for giving people something to relate to the 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 first thing that that stood out for me was, though, that, like, you didn't try and sugarcoat it too much in terms of, like, you're going to have compassion with yourself, you're going to realize that you have anxiety, think about it, and then it's going to go away. Like, you're going to realize it and it's going to continue. And I think that a lot of people don't want to hear that part and they, they, they have this expectation of, well, so I tried it and it doesn't work because it didn't take it away but the goal is not to take it away the goal is to help yourself through it and yeah. to to be able to assist yourself in this process so that really stood out for me from from what you said now the other thing that i'm also like that that just feels like it's repeating or the, it's this theme that's repeating itself is that it actually takes a lot of courage and bravery and i love the term brave self-compassion or fierce self-compassion. Because, again, I wonder if a lot of people have this idea that almost self-compassion is weak. And so it's part of being soft or it's mm. part of being like all mushy and like just the the softer things that how we would classify people being like that's, that's a softie or mm. that's someone just being more emotional and... And again, we even have in society these labels of when people have emotion, that that's a weakness. Mm. And it takes so much courage and so much bravery for people to face these parts of themselves. Mm. Like, I don't want to think of myself as a selfish person, for example. I think we all love to feel like we are givers and like we, we're just these good people, And it sucks to have to sometimes actually stand still and say, maybe I'm doing this because I want to feel good about myself. Or maybe I have ulterior motives, if we can call it that, with with what I'm busy doing. Mm -hmm. And, And that kind of ties just in with what you said about people in abusive relationships even. Of course, no one wants to be abused. And of course, it's not okay for anyone to abuse you. But it's also quite comfortable to not have to think about what about me is keeping me Hmm. in this relationship? Hmm. What about me is making this okay Hmm. to happen or led me to land myself in this Hmm. position in the first place? Hmm. And so that shadow side is, is something that we need to accept. It's kind of like a package deal. So the more we accept it, the more compassionate we can become with ourselves and the more mindful we can become about what we're doing.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. And I think the more we also just going to be more tolerant and experience our external world differently because kind of what we experience internally has this way of just kind of playing out what we experience externally like have you ever like experienced that whatever bothers you about something or someone else when you do introspection is actually what bothers you about yourself 100% you know so it's funny that when we become more compassionate with ourselves that automatically spills out to the outer world you know to external world to other to other people and um but I think another thing that was very inter- interesting to me is there's this term called backdraft that... I wanted to ask you about what that
1: means. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So there's this thing called backdraft and um, um, it kind of pop up into the literature a little bit after a few years of self-compassion because of the new thing that they discovered is that um, it's not that easy for people, obviously, to just be self-compassionate, you know. As we've also mentioned... If it takes a lot of courage and I think a lot of vulnerability to do that, it cannot be easy at all. And um, so backdrop is just kind of the term that they use to describe um, this process where if, you know, either you're doing it to yourself or you're helping someone else through it and you're either more compassionate towards yourself or you're self-compassionate to someone else, they would become either or you um you know angry or you would feel guilt or you would want to avoid or you would want to become like harsh on yourself like why i'm not being self-compassionate why i'm not getting this right and you go into this whole thought spiral of i'm trying to be self-compassionate but i'm struggling and um no i should be more compassionate no but this is judging myself and you can just see oh, this we're happening so complex as human beings i know i know mm. and um you know, or a lot of sadness. And the reason why that is, is that if we have gone our whole lives relating this way to ourselves, you know, being very critical of ourselves, and not really having a very loving internal voice, not creating that space for ourselves, it also means that probably when we have had certain emotions and experiences, it would just have been suppressed, you know, or avoided or not dealt with in the moment. So when you do actually open yourself up and relate, this kind of, like in this loving way towards yourself, almost like you feel like you're giving yourself a a hug, like I'm even feeling like this, like things coming up my body now, like this whole warm, tingly feeling but when you're not used to that and it's almost like if you've used the critical voice to kind of suppress everything into a bottle and now you're opening yourself up it's like pulling a cork on that bottle and now all of those things are coming out and it's the same thing with mindfulness or even even meditation if some people you know complain about having intense pains or they feel really emotional when they do it for the first time it's because we've we've kept ourselves almost disconnected to that part of ourselves for so long and now when you do open it up it's just all consuming and to understand that that's also normal you know there's nothing wrong with you if that happens and if you want to practice self-compassion and you find yourself being hard on yourself that's also okay you know we're human beings we're not going to do this all of the time i mean we are juggling here yeah, a lifetime of you know, behaviors and thought patterns that has been kind of ingrained in us. And it's not that easy to just stick a finger and then everything is changed. So also to understand that it's okay if if we sometimes relapse. That's I relapse. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, and it's also okay if you try and do it for the first time or if you see someone or you help someone else through it for the first time and they respond in a way like that. You know, I've had people who... Kind of started screaming at me, but why? Why aren't you, you know, more like stern with me? Why are you being so forgiving? And that's probably what was playing out that way. You know, if you've not, if you're not used to experiencing this, you know, then it can open up a a few can of worms, Mm. and that's okay. It needs to come out, you know, Mm. in their space, and you can use that. You can use self compassion to help you through that as well. But I think we are
1: also so conditioned that we, we want to do things that feel good and yes. we want to have good experiences. And so a lot of, of people will also just say, but I don't want to feel this way and I just want to feel better. Hmm. But like there's actually so much meaning in feeling that way, although we can almost term it as negative and in inverted brackets, like we we don't want to feel these hard feelings, but it can also be such a good experience. So, like, if you have to think about being healthy, having a salad never tastes as as good as that McDonald's burger. Like, nothing tastes the same way, but yet it's it's not healthy for us. Yeah. And so, the the bland salad that's maybe healthier doesn't taste good, but we need to trust that it is good for us. Yeah. We also can't feel feel the impact instantly like you need to eat salads for healthier veggies whatever for a very long time in order to start feeling different and start feeling better yeah and so a lot of people are going to maybe try this and be like but it's not feeling good it's not making me feel better and so i shouldn't continue to do this but that's not really reasonable either
0: yeah and to go with your salad analogy, I mean, there's also a difference between, it might sound weird now, so just bear with me. It's also a difference between eating the salad and just thinking, oh, man, I just want that McDonald's burger. Like, oh, I hate eating a the salad. Oh, la, la, la. Then every meal is going to be horrible. But if you understand that, okay, it's not my favorite thing, but I have to eat salad right now, I just wonder what's going to happen to your experience if you kind of become more interested. Okay, but let's zoom in. Let's taste, actually, the tomato. What does the tomato taste like? Because I I think a lot of times we actually just eat and we're not with the food. And, you know, maybe you actually have a different experience than you thought you would if you're actually embracing the salad. You know? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Murray-David,
1: so I know that, that this is probably a, a very difficult question to answer, but I'm wondering... um. A lack of self-compassion, how would that present itself in terms of our mental health? Or like, how does it affect our mental health? Or in what ways would it show up?
0: Um, I think uh, one of the almost easiest answers to go to is if you look at depression, you would have, you know, a very negative view of yourself. You would be caught up in ruminating thoughts, which also takes us to anxiety, anxiety would um, you know, isolate yourself, you would stop on a behavioral level probably, stop engaging in stuff that's that's might be good for you. Um yeah, I think if you just look at someone's what's happening internally, you know, it would be that would be the main things, you know, they're very harsh on themselves, not giving themselves a lot of space, having a lot of like shoulds and musts to have to do. Um because although that can be like good for motivation, it helps up until a point. If it's not functional in a certain area, then it causes a lot of suffering or pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Does that answer mm-hmm. your question?
1: No, definitely. <laughs> like I think the, the reason I'm asking that is because I think that a lot of times people think about mental illness as, okay, so there's an external cause for the mental illness and not realize how we are maintaining it ourselves or mm-hmm. how the relationship that we have with ourselves um, impacts that and it's not saying like it's all your fault that, that you're feeling this way I don't think it's about I want to say blaming or mm-hmm. figuring out who or what is responsible it's more my questions more coming from a, a point of people realizing so I can actually have depressed depression or sit with anxiety and I can be the factor that's maintaining it i can or i can be one of the factors that's really maintaining it and that's i'm standing in my own way Mm. um to to get better although i feel like i'm doing everything that i can like Mm. i'm taking medication or i'm going to therapy i'm doing these things i'm meditating but i don't really understand why it's not changing Mm. um but i can also just see how it's a part of everything in our lives so it can affect your relationships it can affect i want to say your performance or the pressure that you put on yourself the goals that you set for yourself um yeah it feels like it's just a part
0: of probably
1: every single part of our lives
0: it is and i think you know our eternal experiences i personally think is the biggest thing that keeps us there i think you know of course, whatever is happening certainly does play a big role. You know, like if you take, if I just take, let's take a simple example, you know, and let's say you have like two groups of friends and one group is incredibly uplifting and inspiring, accepting, and the other one is very critical and, you know, judges everything. It's It's not, it might feel like, okay, I don't feel good with them because they do this to me, you know? And it's not like untrue. There's definitely a part to play. But you would also get people in the same scenario and it wouldn't affect them as much Mm. because of, you know, maybe in that point in time internally, they're not taking it that personally or, you know, they're not having these thoughts and emotions triggered that make someone else feel like completely worthless and bad in that situation. And it's like, it's a lot easier to kind of, have a healthy relationship with yourself, if I can put it that simple, in a good nurturing environment than it is in like, you know, mm. a, a, a toxic environment for lack of a better word. But still, the, it's the thing that's kind of, that goes with you everywhere is your relationship with As yourself. you, yeah. And your relationship with yourself is also what would determine, you know, what do I do when I am in this environment? How does this environment affect me? And um, so I think, you know, it's everything influencing everything for sure. But I just think, you know, if we kind of prioritize the relationship we have with ourselves, meaning with our thoughts and our emotions, I think life would be a lot more meaningful. And I think even though we cannot escape from pain, we can definitely um, lessen our suffering. Where do
1: we learn this, though?
0: Like. And again,
1: I know that there's not one answer for it. But like if I think about my child, I don't want her to, to feel this way. So how do, we, how do we teach ourselves? How do we teach other people? Um, like how, how do we get this to be the norm, to be self-compassionate? Oh, the
0: norm, wow, that's a big <laughs> ask. <laughs> do you feel like it's impossible? No, I don't. But it's so difficult, though, because we live in a very conditional world. You know, we have this whole world in different areas of our lives where we are, um, you know, giving, being giving this message of I have to do this in order to get this. You know, it's like a transaction almost. And um, that influences it greatly. But, I mean, I think if we look at you know, human beings and a child, you know, little children are like sponges and they model and internalize what they see around them. And I um, know that I think for a child, I might have might have my percentages wrong, but it's something about the, like 30% of the verbal language go through, but 70% of the nonverbal go through. So I think if we are just speaking about children, I think the biggest gift we can give our children is to kind of model that for them to improve the relationship we have with ourselves, because that's that's where they will learn. But I also think, you know, we cannot go through life padding our whole bodies, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, you can do that at home, but you don't know, you know, for example, peers, if you think about like a, a teenager and where social groups are so important, and they're going through a phase where they're not accepted at school or they're going or they're being bullied, um, they might learn it there. You know, they might, their self-esteem might take a knock and they might somewhere learn. Or it doesn't even have to be that intense. I think it can be as, as simple as you see someone else a- achieving something and they're getting a lot of praise. And now you're also learning that, you know, I need to achieve something in order to be accepted by society, which I think it's such a primal, need you know we're social creatures we want to fit into a group so I think the first thing is to understand that there are ways that we can try and you know help other people teach it but I think it's also to to accept the fact that there's probably going to be stuff happening in life that's going to teach us the opposite of not being self-compassionate but the cool thing about this is is you can change that anytime you want it's always there you know it's always there the minute you try to and start to engage with it you can start to change it it's not like if you're not compassionate you will never be yeah
1: and i I think it's it's about realizing and and that's probably as you as you're saying that i'm thinking oh my word can i hear myself and how i'm asking okay so how do i make sure that this (laughs) never happens where the whole point is like i'm just hearing this theme of acceptance and and so it's about accepting that it's okay and that we can have these experiences. I think that it's so much our just condition functioning that yeah. we want to eliminate. We want to make sure that it never happens. And I think it's it's the case with a lot of things for for parents, I think in general, is if you we focus so much on what we give to our children as opposed to what we're giving to ourselves, and that that's usually, actually more than enough Mm. if you are focusing on how you treat yourself your self-compassion your self-image your all of those things Mm. then you don't have to be teaching your child specific things as such Mm. um whereas a lot of of parents almost go i've experienced this and i don't want them to experience this so Mm. let me just make sure that i do everything to to teach them these things and then it doesn't stick because it's not what they see mm. it's scary that that there's so much of nonverbal stuff that we also consume
0: there's so much things that we want to control and so many of those things things are actually uncontrollable and it causes such discomfort you know yeah. because um obviously you want you want you want people to be happy you want people to be okay but life doesn't work that way and um I want to raise two points. I'm just going to ask you to maybe help me remember about the point about acceptance versus agreement, because I think that's important to bring up, but I'm just thinking, you know, to just, just go on with what we've been saying. Um, You know, I've, I've heard of people, I heard about this case study where, um, you know, it was two parents and they had a primary school um, child and the child was being sent for sessions because she, was like very, very anxious. If she forgot her homework at, a, at home and she's grade six, I think she would have a panic attack. And that's very intense for, you know, a, a sixth grader. That's a very intense experience, emotional experience. And and it's not only there, she would be, become anxious about a lot of things. And if something doesn't go right, it would completely freak her out. So, you know, they took her for sessions because obviously they're concerned about her and it's not fun for a sixth grader to have these experiences. So they also want wanted to alleviate it. And um, what then happened was, you know, they tried to, they were very rigid in the sense that they were kind of like OCD traits, you know, had a very rigid schedule, stuff needed to be done a certain way, a lot of like rules, must and shoulds for themselves for their work, but they didn't want her to learn that. So they tried to do things like, it's actually very cute, you know, it's so cute, they tried to you know, have dessert before dinner, and they try to like swap stuff around to show her that. But it doesn't have to be this way because they don't want her to be this way. And it's like they cared so much, you know. It's it's also something to say about you know what you would do just out of love for the people in your mm-hmm. life. Um, but it didn't stick because in their own lives they had these rules for themselves, and that's what she internalized. You know, it didn't matter. Like, oh no, I wouldn't say it didn't matter. It matter. I think. You know, it would probably like cause a little bit of thoughts if my mom is doing these things, you know. But I think that's not when you're triggered and it's happening and that automatic responses. The things that's sticking is the internalized stuff. And the internalized things are usually what you see your parents do or how your parents relate to you. So um, that for me is a beautiful example of why, um, you know, your relationship with yourself has such a bigger impact on the people in your lives than what you actually directly consciously do Mm -hmm. and when they don't fit with another there's a bigger chance that the you know kind of the unconscious stuff how you are dealing with things how you're relating to yourself are going to come across
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um and i think also also what i just wanted to say is that um, the irony of this or self-compassion of acceptance is um a lot of times when we do accept that that is actually what makes it possible to let go and to get some relief, but when we go in to try and get relief in order to avoid it, then it just feels like it doesn't work. So it's very ironic, actually, how it's like, I have this, I saw this in a cartoon once that you get like a Chinese finger trap, and it's like this tube, and you put two of your fingers in, and when it's in, and you try to pull it, it's stretchy. So the more you try to pull it, the thinner it becomes around your fingers, so the tighter it actually gets. So the more you try to pull and get away your fingers out of it, the more stuck you become. And the irony is you have to actually push it together, so it opens more, and then it Flips out. And th- this is the same about, you know, like what be- we've been talking about self compassion and acceptance. The more you're willing to embrace your experiences, ironically, the bigger chance you're going to get relief from it or have a b- more positive experience mm-hmm. from it. But if you go in thinking that, oh, if I do this, then I'm going to get relief um I, maybe but there's also a big chance that you're going to become frustrated because you're just going to be like but this isn't working mm, you know
1: mm. and i think that's why a lot of people find themselves stuck in this the like I want to feel less anxious, but I'm feeling more anxious. Or a lot of of my clients would often talk about anger, for example, and be like, I don't want to be an angry person. And so Mm. I don't want to accept the anger. And I don't want to embrace the anger, if we can call it that, because the anger is also scary and it's destructive. And what if it ruins relationships? But the irony is it's the denial of that that's causing destruction and all of these things that we're actually fearing. And so if you, if you allow yourself, then it's so much more manageable. A lot of times, then we deal with whatever consequences come as a result of that. Mm. Like it's, it's this, this thing that's, it's this big paradox Mm. that, that often we just need to move in the opposite direction. But
0: that, that's scary. That's very scary. It's really, really, really scary, you know, and it's, it's, it feels counterintuitive. It feels like mm. the opposite of what you want to do to make yourself feel safe. Um, and I, I think the other thing that happens a lot is the judgments people have when they have the emotion. Like if we take the example that you've mentioned that I don't want to be an angry person because you know, that, that also happens a lot. People have the experience and automatically they over identify with the emotion thinking that, okay, but this makes me an angry person, you mm. know, and, um, The most thing that made me so clear for me for emotion is actually oh I have a cough, (coughs) sorry. Um, Is if you think about emotion, it's actually just energy in motion. You know, it's oh wow energy coming through your body. And I have another cough. (coughs) (coughs) I'm sorry. So it's just energy in motion. So it's a thing that comes up that's being triggered, and when We try to avoid it, control it, um, try to make ourselves feel safe, which feels like the right thing to do, but often means that we don't want to deal with it. It becomes stagnant, then it becomes stuck in our bodies. And then, you know, it's just you walk around with it the whole time, it's not leaving, it's gonna be there, like, as much as you want an emotion to go away, it's not mm. but when you open yourself up when you when you try to accept it and meet it for what it is then you're almost giving the emotion the space to just flow again and it will flow through it will flow through eventually because energy's main purpose is to flow if we allow it if we don't switch off the the, the switch mm-hmm. and i think that's also the 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 big thing about acceptance or the problematic thing almost is I've also experienced people um, saying, okay, but what if I don't want to accept it? I don't agree with this. I don't think this is okay. And to understand that there's a big difference between acceptance and agreement, a big difference. Accepting something does not mean that you're saying, yes, I agree with this. Not at all. You can actually not be happy about it and still accept something. It's like if you think about acceptance like the weather and say you're not a fan of thunderstorms right it's it's acceptance would be to look out the window to see it's raining to hear the thunder to feel whatever it is you feel in response to that whether it's like just a like an annoyance or a scaredness or an anxiety feeling um to feel that and to be like okay I feel anxious okay there's a thunderstorm you cannot do anything about it. it's going to go away on its own you know you don't have control over the thunderstorm but um you know, that is acceptance. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like a thunderstorm in order to see that it's outside there. And, um, yeah, it's also not going to help if you shut the window and draw the blinds, it's not going to make it go Mm -hmm. away. So I think it's also very helpful to view emotion in that way. Um, you know, as something, yeah, it's not something that you can control. People think they can, you can't like there's stuff that you can do. Sure. You know, like, um, if you eat chocolate and you get dopamine, you're going to feel better, of course. But that's also like doing things. But you cannot keep it from triggering. And you cannot determine when, you know, it's ready to let go of this or or how long it's going to take for you to process it. Just like you cannot determine what the weather is going to do or change it or de- like. want to ask the sky how long it should rain for. So I think to see emotion like that, it's like to understand that we have – these narratives and stories and judgments and then we have emotions and it's two separate things Mm -hmm. also makes it a lot easier for this acceptance Mm -hmm. thing or to accept it because that's also i think what happens is and i think that's also what happens when you have a lack of self-compassion there's no space between the two so you have like a narrative and it triggers an emotion and then you go into like a thought process about it and then you start to ruminate and then you have like a view about yourself judgment about yourself for having this emotion and then you have another emotion and then this is just like going on and on and mm. on and on and on and then life sucks generally and then we expect
1: but with all of this happening i should just keep everything together and be like the perfect human being and just on un- no one should see that there's anything that's wrong yes and and we judge ourselves for having anxiety or feeling depressed but like of course if this is what's happening internally all the time like, we can't
0: really expect anything different. Exactly. And if I think about this, it's just uh, like my personal, no, like, textbook or research thought <laughs> on it. But in my view, if you think about something like depression, and imagine this has been going on in someone who experiences depression, you know, these, these thoughts, these feelings, like, it's got to be exhausting, you know, to be in this, but to feel sim- s- simultaneously feel I'm not supposed to feel this way or, you know, there's something wrong with me for feeling mm. this way. Because I've also had people coming and asking, is there something wrong with me for feeling this way? Like, um, you know, there's this idea, I think, in our society that if you have a mental health difficulties, there's something wrong with you. You need to go see a therapist or go see a psychiatrist and do something ASAP to kind of, like, fix it. Mm. And, um, I mean, I do understand where that that comes from. I mean, it's not fun. If you're in that state, it's really not fun. Life is not fun. Sometimes you can't function. It impacts everything. So I completely understand, you know, why people want to get help. But I think the problem comes in thinking that there's something wrong with you as if this is not part of what being human is, Mm -hmm. you know. And part of being human is we're going to have experiences sometimes, some people's might look different than others but all of us are going to go through experiences where you are triggered, we're going to feel more insecure, we're going to have anger, we're going to have anxiety, we might be sad, some people might be you know have depression, um, difficult like this and I think what self-compassion specifically can help for in mental health is to just know that whatever you experience even if it's like severe mental health difficulties, even if it's like severe anxiety, depression, OCD, anything of that, it doesn't make you less human and doesn't make you less worthy. It doesn't mean anything about you as a person or your value or who you really are. It just means that right now it's a bit chaos internally going through a difficult time and you just want some help. And maybe you're just not aware of kind of all the things inside you that you're actually making it harder for yourself as well Mm -hmm. and that you're not actually being loving and kind to yourself in this moment and that's also okay that's Mm -hmm. also going to happen
1: yeah i think that a lot happens when when you can allow yourself to accept help or seek help but not feel like i need to do this because there's something wrong with me yes um like i need to do this because it's going to be helpful for me yes and again, that's me taking care of myself and showing up for myself. Um, like even when, when I spoke to Tavi a few weeks ago about relationships, she she mentioned something along the lines of, we, we expect that we must just know how to do relationships. But that idea is actually insane. Like we can't just know how to do it. and mm. And the same applies to life. Like we can't just know how to deal with every situation and how to deal with every feeling. It's okay if we need help to do that. But the goal with the help is not take this away. I shouldn't be here. The goal is help me to get through
0: this and help me to find ways to help myself through this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've also, um, you know, found useful and that I've shared with people is this idea of there was no left. Like a lot of times you will hear people go through experiences and then looking back, they were like, oh, but I should have known this or I should have done this better or I shouldn't have thought this or um, I think it also happens kind of in the whole self-compassion thing. If you try to be self-compassionate and you look back on the time and you realize how hard you are on yourself and if even if you have this awareness that um, maybe that makes life more difficult, you can even now go and be like, oh, but I should have just been more kinder to myself then I wouldn't mm. have gone through this. And to understand it's like, it's like walking on this road towards like a destination, like a city or something. And it's very bushy, like very green around you. you like walking past these scrubs and um, shrubs. Shrubs, <laughs> bushes, whatever, yeah. plants. Yeah, And um, they're completely, that's all you see. So if you look right and left, that's all you can see. And, um, you know, then you see it's so far till the town, it's like, You have to walk like 50 kilometers still to get to the town. And then at some point down the road, you hear like a sound behind you, like a little bird calling or chirping, and it makes you look around. And then you see there in the distance, you can just barely make it out. There's like this little pathway to the left. And it says like it's a 40 kilometer shortcut, like you would cut out 40 kilometers and it would only take you 10. And then to be like, oh, I should have just like taken that. I should have known that's there but you couldn't because from your vantage point of view, it was blocked, your vision was blocked. You were only able to see the left Mm -hmm. or that pathway once you were past it and had enough distance and space and went further enough, you know, far and long enough the path to look back and to see, oh, there's a left. So that's also to understand that, um, you know, these I should have or I must have, well, if it was, Op, an option, you would have, but mm. back in that time, you also only did the best that you could to the information and capabilities you had at that point in time. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think we're sometimes so hard on ourselves for you know, not doing some things, mm. but the fact of the matter is when we were in that situation, we didn't know any better. Mm. We just did what we thought we could do. We did our best.
1: Marine, one final question that I want to ask you is... Um, where can we start with so if someone's listening to this and they're going I need more self-compassion this is me like this is the problem um or part of the problem that I'm experiencing like I I can I can imagine a lot of a lot of people relating to this and being like wow I need this
0: where do we start Or, or what are things that we can do Okay, well, if you're someone who likes to look at websites, there's the selfcompassion.org website, which mm-hmm. has like, you know, a lot of, they have a quiz, they have resources, they have techniques. And really?
1: I'm going to do the quiz. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. They have a lot of cool stuff and exercises and things. that's really useful and everything is free. So that's great. Um, but if we're speaking practically like now, I think one of the things, you know, you, ha- you do have like um, more Formal exercises, if I can call it that. Like little thought experiments, like if you were in the same situation and the friend was in the situation, what would you – and your friend was experiencing the exact same thing that you are, and you came up and you found them in this state, what? how would you respond to them? And it's quite – you know, interesting to see how, you know, we would be so graceful with a friend, but then we're coming down so hard on ourselves. So then to first, you know, ask, a bit, why am I willing to to say this to a friend, but not me? What what makes me different from a friend? You know, so that is like a formal thing we can do. Um, But I think another thing is just become more aware, you know, when things get difficult, what is my internal dialogue like? What am I actually now saying to myself and asking? But, you know, is this fair? You know, it's like, would I say this to someone I love? And um, on the emotional side, we can do, like, I think, mindfulness type stuff, like going, but it doesn't have to be formal, just sitting and asking ourselves, but where does this sit in my body? Um, you know, kind of anything to become present in this moment right now. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, that's what I can think of right mm. now.
1: Well, so you can also send me whatever resources you have and, and I can just share that or add that if there's like social media pages or anything like that that you, you tend to follow or consume. Um, I do think though that the, the message is also about you need to just start with listening to yourself and then we can figure out what we need to do with it and like mm. how, how we can change it. But I think for me it's also about realizing everything that you experience is information. So mm. instead of going while well, I'm experiencing this and how do I get away from it or how do I change it to go okay so what information is this giving me? Mm. Just just thinking about what is this telling me? And and we might not always have the answers, but just starting with that almost listening to yourself, it's so it's so bizarre to me how like you go through life with yourself, and maybe this is going to sound a bit abstract or like very philosophical or whatever, but like you are with yourself every day, the whole day, yet we ignore ourselves the most. Yes. Like, does that make sense? It does. Not at all. Like,
0: like what he's saying makes sense, but it's crazy <laughs> that this actually happening. That. You know, yeah. it's bizarre. It's and actually so, bizarre.
1: So maybe it's just about starting with listening to this person that's with you the whole day. Yeah. which is yourself um and paying attention to what is what what she or he telling me
0: yeah and if it's kind of too intense to do it alone you know maybe just reach out to someone who can also give you that mm-hmm. that just that present, that acceptance so much
1: marine for for this discussion I think that we're going to have a follow-up at some point, <laughs> probably for myself because I'm going to be like, I, I need to know more. I need to, to just think about this more with someone else. Um, but I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe on your desired platform. I will be so grateful if you're willing to take the time to rate this podcast so that you can continue to learn more about various topics related to your mental health and well-being.